Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. David Horowitz is the founder and president of the David Horowitz Freedom Center, an institution devoted to defend the principles of individual freedom, the rule of law, private property, limited government, and academic freedom. He is also the editor for Front Page Magazine and the founder of Students for Academic Freedom. Horowitz has authored numerous books, including Radical Sun, Indoctrination U, and The Professors, the 101 Most Dangerous Academics. He earned a Bachelor of Arts in English from Columbia University and a Master's Degree in English Literature at the University of California, Berkeley. Today, he will be speaking on Rules for Radicals, what constitutional conservatives should know about Saul Alinsky. What starts here changes the world. Well, I've got to admit, I kind of like it. What starts here changes the world. We are the music makers, and we are the dreamers of dreamers. The average American will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. I was handcuffed to another man from another tribe whose language I did not speak. But if every one of you changed the lives of just 10 people, and each one of those people changed the lives of another 10 people, and another 10, we did not know each other. And we could not speak to each other because if we could have spoken to each other, we might have been able to figure out what was happening to him. To every politician who is taking donations from the NRA. It is because America has not invested in its people. And you can change the entire population of the world, 8 billion people. And if we could have figured out what was happening to us, we might have been able to prevent it. If you think it's hard to change the lives of 10 people, change their lives forever. Well, that didn't happen. Here we are. You're wrong. Are you better off than you were four years ago? Fellow Americans, it's time to speak out. They're looking for help. They're looking for help. They're not looking for more of the same. When people lose their jobs, there's a good chance I'll know them by their name. When a factory closes, I know the people who ran it. When the businesses go bankrupt, I know them. We will respond with that timeless creed that sums up the spirit of a people. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And when we get enough money, honey, we'll bring you down. children were saved. Their children's children. Generations were saved by one decision, one person. But changing the world can happen anywhere and anyone can do it. So what starts here can indeed change the world. But the question is, what will the world look like after you change it? Welcome to Public Access America. Make a stand. I know I did. Thank you very much. And may God bless America. Good morning. I've been uh, asked not to speak too long, so I, I brought along small notes. <laughs> uh, what constitutional conservatives should know about uh, Saul Alinsky uh, and radicals? Conservative... Uh, a conservative outlook 
the linking of constitutional and conservative is also a clue, is rooted in the past. Um, conservatives are concerned uh, with who, who we have been and therefore who we are and therefore what it takes uh, to govern us well uh, and to create a reasonably um, productive uh, and reasonably uh, harmonious, harmonious almost sounds like a left-wing word right there, um, <laughs> a little delusional, <laughs> um, societies. And therefore, conservatives are concerned about principles and inherent in principles are limits. Limits, the way you, you have to limit human behavior and the way you have to limit the human beings that limit us, the government. It's about, that's why it's about limited, limited government. Um, for conservatives, the root cause of social problems is us. That's the basic orientation of a conservative outlook. Radicals uh, have a completely different orientation. They are oriented towards the future. And of course, there is no the future. They're oriented towards an imaginary future, a future in which they can put everything into place as they see fit. Uh, and which is a form of, or would be a form of human perfection if it were realized. They, uh, radicals speak of uh, social justice um, as, they, as if there could ever be such a thing. Um, if human beings are the source of our problems, um, they're not going to solve them, are they? <laughs> Uh, because the radical, and, and I don't think, I, if you have been a conservative all your life, you can probably not, would be a huge effort, and I've found few conservatives who want to take the time out to do it, to put themselves um, in, the, uh, in a leftist mindset, a radical mindset, and, and see the way they see the world. Um, I'm often asked by conservatives, how, how can they hate America? It was such a great place. How could, uh, um, how could they uh, not see that uh, in the Middle East, uh, Israel is a democracy, it's tolerant, it has a million Muslim Arabs living there with more rights than a all the Muslim uh, in any other in any Muslim country, and on the other side you have religious fanatics who want to purge the world of infidels. Um, how is it difficult to know which side to be on? Um, and the answer is that, of course, radicals don't see the reality uh, in the, the practical boots on the ground reality either in Israel or the United States. They're not looking at the wonderful privileges that we have as Americans, thanks 
to the uh, founders and the constitutional framework they created. Um, what they're looking at is America versus heaven. <laughs> well, we lose. <laughs> we lose. The, um, so the radical, for the, uh, Marx actually, um, in the 18th Brumaire, uh, quotes Goethe's Mephistopheles saying, everything that exists deserves to perish. That is the mentality of the radical. Everything should be swept away so that we can create a world where there's no, no inequality. How do you do that? I mean, <laughs> No inequality, no racism, no sexism, no homophobia, no poverty, no war. That's the radical's fantasy. And that's how they judge the present and, and judge everything um, negatively. For the radical oriented towards the future, there are no limits. Human potential is good um, and it's locked in by all the oppressive structures, or as they see them, oppressive structures uh, of the social order. They have contempt for structure and process. Uh, you might ask yourself how somebody like Barack Obama, uh, who uh, has been the beneficiary of all, all of America's greatness and goodness. Um, it came from difficult family beginnings. Uh, to Harvard, became president of the United States. How he could have spent his adult years as a lawyer for ACORN, uh, which is an organization convicted of uh, greatest uh, election frauds in the history of the United States. Well, it's because if you're a radical, you think elections are a fraud to begin with. So uh, by committing fraud, you're just correcting a fraud. <laughs> the, um, now who was Saul Alinsky? Saul Alinsky was a um, a Chicago radical who um, came to adulthood in the 30s. Uh, he was a sociology uh, graduate student at the University of Chicago and <clears throat> did studies of um, the Al Capone mob and uh, uh, adopted as, a as his teacher Frank Nitti. If you remember, Frank Nitti was a guy that Kevin Costner threw off the top of the building. He was the enforcer. I said, um, Frank Nitti was my, my teacher. <laughs> um, what's, what Saul Alinsky's contribution um, to the radical assault on our culture and our society was, was this. Um, 
he, he was a fellow traveler, that is, uh, of, of the communists. That is, he did not, um, he, he, fellow travelers were uh, leftists who endorsed the goal, the fantasy future. And if you have the, if you believe in the fantasy of a socialist future, then you condemn America and capitalist societies as a species of hell. Uh, he shared that view, but uh, fellow travelers didn't go along with the means. He thought the communists were too dogmatic and too rigid. Um, he was what, what you call an anti-anti-communist, which means he was an anti-American, anti-Western democracy, anti Judeo-Christian, uh, and so forth. Um, he was also very critical of the New Left. I, I was um, part of the New Left. And I, of all the bad things that you know about the New Left, the left of the 60s, and I've written with Peter Collier a book called Destructive Generation, um, which is my view of that left. Uh, there, it had one redeeming grace. We, we, we said what we were about. Well, you know, we want revolution and we want it now. Uh, um, you know, we want America to lose in Vietnam. We said these things. Um, and uh, Alinsky thought we were nuts for saying that. And we, we had slogans, um, you know, up against the wall, uh, uh, the sky's the limit, uh, off the pigs. I, I, of all the bad things I did in the 60s, I, I never um, said off the pigs, but that was the attitude toward, towards the police. Political power grows out of the barrel of a gun. And Alinsky said, what you're doing when you say those things is you're telegraphing to people what you're going to do, what you want to do, um, and they're going to understand that you're a threat, and that's bad. So the, what Alinsky said, and Alinsky um, gives an example from one of his heroes, which is Lenin, um, where Lenin... <clears throat> Lenin said that uh, we want, oh, we want the ballot. Um, but when we win the elections, um, then we'll have the guns, and it'll be a different story. Alinsky said, you don't say political power grows out of the barrel of the gun when the other side has the guns. I actually had a confrontation like that in the 60s. Um, with Michael Lerner, the editor of, of T-Cunt. And he came to me in semi-hysterical mode saying, you have to buy a, a gun, David. Uh, and I, uh, I said to him, Michael, if you could tell me one situation in where it's the police or the military against us and we win, I'll consider it. Um, <laughs> Oh, he said, oh, well, then you have to buy a handgun for assassinations. Michael Lerner is an unreconstructed leftist and posing as a rabbi these days. Um, <laughs> um, 
So Alinsky's, really the main thrust of the Alinsky, um, of Alinsky doctrine is um, deception, lie. You don't tell people what your agendas are. Uh, when you're, when you're, you have to win them, when you're winning them over, you tell them, well, and government-controlled health care would be bad, but completely private would be bad. So, you know, we have to do the reasonable thing, and we'll bring Republicans and Democrats together, and we're not the red states or the blue states or the United States, all the things that Barack Obama said. You snooker people. Um, Barack Obama is an, uh, not only an Alinsky disciple, but an Alinsky trainee. Uh, when he came out of Columbia, that, his first job was with an Alinsky organization. He went through the Alinsky training. Um, he was the uh, lawyer for uh, another Alinsky organization, ACORN. Um, that's who he is. When he says community organizer, I'm a community organizer, he means I am a follower of Saul Alinsky because that's what Alinsky was. It was Community organizing is organizing an army, and that's Alinsky's term, not mine. I, I put it all, all these things in this little, little booklet. Um, it's organizing a power base. Uh, the, the idea is to create the power to do what you want with no clear idea of what you want. I, I will get into what they want, but there really is, there's never been, there were socialist plans. Um, French, a Frenchman named Fourier had a plan that were these utopian communities in the 19th century, and they all failed. Marx was smarter. He said, you can't, can't have a blueprint. And since Marx, there are no serious um, radicals have attempted to devise a plan. So their, their plan really is that everything exists deserves to perish. Their plan, it, if, if you get, to make a revolution, you know, there are two sides of it. One is taking down the old system and the other is creating the new. No attention is given to creating the new, so it's really a form of nihilism. Uh, that's what radicalism is about. That's what Alinsky's book Rules for Radicals. That, the original title was Rules for Revolution, uh, which is why I used it in this, the booklet um, I did. Um, revolutionaries only understand destruction. They, 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 it, it, well, they understand destruction and, and deception, which is the, one, of the means, <clears throat> one of the means of destruction. Um, Alinsky's idea then was you pose as, we called it in the 60s, boring from within. You pose uh, as a liberal. I, I was appalled uh, when in the early 70s, it was really during the McGovern campaign, all my communist friends, all the people who, well, like Tom Hayden, uh, who advocated liberated zones in America. He wanted guerrilla warfare in American streets, suddenly appeared as Democrats and liberals in 1971, 1972, because we hated liberals. And that was another good thing about 
the new left. That's what kept it smaller and uh, prevented it from ever getting to the White House because we despised liberals um, because we felt that liberals were co-opting, would co-opt you into the system. But um, Alinsky got very close to Bobby Kennedy, became part of the War on Poverty program, and financed his radical operations from taxpayer funds. I, I was, um, people used to ask me when I ceased to be a leftist, um, who funded you, Moscow, Havana? Well, I'm sure there was money from Moscow and Havana, but that's not who funded us. Who funds, who funds the left is you um, through, through taxpayer dollars. People were outraged when, when ACORN was exposed um, because they got $53 million. Remember that? $53 million in federal funds starting in 1994. That ring a bell? 1994. That's when Republicans took over the House and the purse strings. Republicans funded ACORN, made it the largest radical organization in the history of the country. And that's mainly because conservatives, I um, don't know how to put this politely, but are just not paying attention. <laughs> um, and and I, you know, I, I've changed the mission statement of my center. It's, um, it sounded like what all conservative organizations sound like, they're very positive and good. Um, the principles of, a con of, of constitutional principles, private property, rule of law, that's all well and good. But we're in a war, as I will get to in a moment. Um, so my center is now called, a, uh, its mission is the defense of free societies um, whose cultural uh, and economic foundations are being attacked by an international left. That's the reality we're in. Uh, and and I, I would like conservatives to move 10% off the positive uh, approach to a, a certain negative one. There's a threat here, and it's an internal threat um, that has to be met. Um, <clears throat> a prototypical Alinskyite is... Um, the former green job czar, who is now part of the brains trust of the Democratic Party, Van Jones. Um, he's with the Center for American Progress here in Washington, which is uh, John Podesta's operation uh, and is the brains trust of the Democratic Party. Um, uh, Van Jones was a vocal self-described communist, and this was not in the 1930s, but, <laughs> but in the 1990s and uh, into 2000. He belonged to a Maoist revolutionary vanguard uh, party that is modeled on the Bolsheviks uh, called Storm, um, and were Maoists. Um, and then he had a conversion experience to Alinskyism. And what he said, how he described it was, I um, prefer 
uh, I, I've given up the cheap satisfactions of the radical pose for the deep satisfactions of radical ends. So if you, well, he's such a smooth talker now that uh, Meg Whitman, the Republican candidate for governor in California, uh, sang his praises, thought that he was just a wonderful person. And that, that's because she had no idea um, who he was. Um, one of the, I think probably the best thing that I've done in the quarter of a century that I've devoted to uh, atonement uh, for my youthful <laughs> sins is creating an encyclopedia of the left on the web, which explains exactly what people like Van Jones are about. Um, you must always remember that the slogan of the Communist Party in my youth, which was when Joseph Stalin was alive, was peace, jobs, and democracy. Uh, how many people have seen the invasion of the body snatchers? <laughs> Well, that film was made, the original film was made during the 50s and was about the communists, but it, it could be about anybody, not anybody, but it could be about a lot of people that call themselves liberal today. They're pod people, basically. <laughs> the, uh, the new left, um, there was, it actually, it was an issue of SDS's New Left Notes, there was an article by a, an SDS radical uh, in the 60s, which said, the issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. And what that means is for, and this is a, a core principle of Linskyism, that the, the the way you view issues is always instrumental. Does it further the revolution? You may have noticed, you may have noticed that even though there are something like 600 women's studies programs, which are basically political parties in the university organizing for uh, feminism, uh, there are no protests over the unbelievable abuse and oppression of women in the Muslim world. None. Ayan Hirsi Ali, a courageous warrior against Islamic oppression of women. I asked her, I, I saw her last month in Philadelphia. I asked her if she's ever been invited to a women's studies department to talk about the oppression of women in Islam. And uh, she said once, but it turned out that uh, it was a, <laughs> an American Enterprise Institute benefactor <laughs> who, who was either a trustee at UC San Diego, whatever he was, and got her one talk, one talk in all these years. And that's because the issue is never the issue. Feminists are not about women. They're part of the left. They're about destroying American capitalism, or imperialism, as they would prefer to call it. And they see the Muslim world 
and the jihad against us, however much they may deplore this or that tactic, as a movement for liberation from American oppression. The issue is never the issue. The issue is always the revolution. And therefore, you should understand that green jobs is not about the environment. What green jobs is about, it was having a communist, Van Jones, recruit an army of leftists at taxpayer expense. And believe me, it's still about that. Uh, and the healthcare system, it's not about delivering quality healthcare, uh, the Obamacare. Uh, it's about control of everybody's life and also putting people on the payroll. Alinsky, uh, um, actually, there was a, uh, one of the uh, um, articles I used as a resource um, was a New Republic article by Ryan Lietze, um who interviewed Alinsky trainers and people who had been trained by Alinsky himself. And they described to him how uh, idealistic people, because the seduction of the left is these you know, wonderful social justice, peace, harmony, peace, jobs, and democracy, just, you know. So you get a lot of people in who are um, salivating to that bell, or those bells. And Alinsky used to say, uh, why are you um, uh, a community organizer? Why do you want to be a community organizer? And the answers were, you know, to make the world a better place, to uh, whatever, uh, uh, end racism. Uh, and he would scream at the person who said that. and said, no. You want to be a community organizer to get power. That's what it's all about, power. This is a, an, a, the Linsky's Rules for Revolution is a nihilistic tract, Machiavellian and nihilistic. It's everything that one would uh, regard as evil uh, from an ethical, any ethical standpoint. Um, but of course, it's all redeemed by the fantasy future. And this is what the left is about. But Alinsky is a particularly frank expression of this. Stalinists actually thought that they, you know, the planned economy, they had vague ideas enough about the, about the future, but it was much more structured and uh, self-respecting than Alinskyism. What organizes the Alinsky radical is the hatred of the so-called haves. America is a have society. There are haves and have-nots. This is the mark. It's just another way of formulating the Marxist idea of a ruling class. Well, but if you think about America, I mean, I, I, I think that something like seventy percent of the millionaires in this country are first generation, which means <laughs> they made it. 
Um, it's absurd uh, to think of this as a country of haves and have. Of course, there are some people who just have. They were born with it. They don't do anything for it. But there are so many uh, more people with a lot of money who are investing it all the time, creating jobs, um, creating wealth for everybody. Um, the proper way to think about the divisions of our societies is the cans and the cannots, the do's and the do-nots, the wills and the will-nots. That's what it's about. But if you think about it that way, then that's the end of radicalism, the whole mythology of radical, radicalism is exploded. And of course, this Alinsky idea, I mean, he, he says that um, my book, Rules for Radicals, is modeled on Machiavelli's The Prince, which was how rulers should rule. The difference is that my book is about taking away the power of the haves, and his book is about how the haves can keep it. Um, then where does this reactionary view of the world as rigidly, or society as rigidly divided into rulers and rule come from? Well, it comes from the Communist Manifesto, uh, which is the most read, most assigned text. I, I don't know this for a fact, but I know this from studying, you know, being at 300 universities and asking questions. The most assigned text in our universities today is the Communist Manifesto. I've, I've met innumerable students who've had to read it three and four times in different, different classes. And uh, you remember what the Communist Manifesto, how it begins, the hi history of all hitherto existing societies is the history of class struggle. It's uh, slave owners versus slaves, uh, you know, um, um, I forget the Roman, well, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> uh, lords versus serfs. Um, and of course, then it becomes capitalists worship versus wage slaves <laughs> um, versus the proletariat. And <clears throat> what Marx, what the Communist Manifesto basically says is that Democracy, capitalist democracies are a fraud, just what Acorn says. Um, that there is an actual ruling class that rigs elections, that rigs elections, um, and so elections don't really mean anything. Uh, and what Marx incited in the Communist Manifesto was war, civil war. Um, since elections don't mean anything, then any, anything is justified in subverting them and establishing the rule of the pure and the just uh, vanguard, which is, which is the left. And uh, Alinsky, the other aspect of Alinskyism, the deception in the first place, the don't, don't tell people where you're going. Um, just, you know, lead them along. Um, and I was thinking of that by the way the other day with this idiotic NASA pronouncement. <laughs> well, if you want to take America down, I mean, you know, space technology is advanced technology. It has all kinds of implications, both peaceful and military. 
So you cut its funding. When Obama's virtually ended the space program. And then you devote it to giving our technologies to our enemies. That's what that is about. So Alinsky is, is a really a, a closet Marxist. Um, and so a lot of his book is devoted to explaining that this is a war. The haves will not give up, the imaginary haves will not give up power peacefully. That's, that's a, an axiom of the radical outlook. And therefore, you conduct a war against them. Now, the war, when you don't have the guns, you don't look to guns as the solution. You look to getting power by other means. In our, um, in our society, it's getting it through, through the ballot box, which they have done. And then you use those means to get to the next step. You always deal, and this is um, an Alinsky precept, you always deal with the situation you have. You, you, if you're too radical, you will destroy yourself, which is what the, you know, it's another beneficent aspect of the 60s New Left. It destroyed itself. It kept upping, we called it upping the ante. So, you know, it was protest in the streets, march on the Pentagon, stop the draft, and then it was guerrilla warfare. And uh, uh, white middle-class students actually were not too um, thrilled about uh, getting themselves killed in a guerrilla warfare. Uh, and, and so the, weather, the weathermen, which is Obama, uh, what do you call him, an amuensis. I, I, I'm one of those who's been persuaded that Billy Ayers wrote Obama's book, but he certainly was a, a strategic comrade and, and close political intimate of Obama's. Uh, through his, through his rise, um, billionaires went off to the wars, uh, but they didn't take very many people with them. They had a few hundred people, out of a new left that could put on demonstrations with hundreds of thousands. Um, <clears throat> so you 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 deal with the situation um, that you have, but you understand always that it's a war. Conservatives look and uh, leftists and see them as misguided. People whom you can maybe explain if you had enough time to explain to them. Um, but they're just misguided. They see us as evil. They see themselves as the army of the saints and they see us as the party of Satan. Um, and that's because mentally they're in a war for a new world on the other side of the rainbow. So in this war, uh, the ends, of course, justify the means. And Alinsky addresses this problem in just those terms. He has utter contempt for the liberals of his day who, who said, uh, well, I agree with your ends, 
That should tell you something about modern liberalism right away. I agree with your ends. Destroy the system. But I don't like your means. And what Alinsky said was that it's an irrelevant question, means and ends, because it, it should always be about the particular means to achieve a particular end. But then he goes on and he has actually uh, um, a principle uh, of, I uh, forget what he calls it, but a tactical principle, which is that in a war, all means are justified. A war is about survival. If you, if you have a radical outlook, you see it as heaven versus hell. And actually, Rosa Luxemburg, uh, that was her slogan, socialism or barbarism. And if you read Christopher Hitchens' irresistible but um, very muddled memoir, I mean, Rosa Luxemburg is his hero. So that is, Christopher, who's wise enough to understand America is worth saving and is a, a chief, really, defender of freedom in the world today, um, nonetheless um, thinks that socialism or barbarism is a heroic slogan. So it's a very deeply imprinted um, binary in, in the radical mind. Um, if you believe that around the corner is health care for all, food for all, shelter for all, of, and on and on. Um, and this is the Green Party platform, by the way, literally. <laughs> um, then America is a horrible place, and almost anything you would do would, would be justified, or anything. Uh, if you believed, let's put it a different way, if you believed that you could bring about the kingdom of heaven on earth, what crime would you not commit, and what lie would you not tell to do it? And that's why uh, the great atrocities, all the really great, it's, it's a bad word, uh, monstrous, large atrocities of the last hundred years have been committed by radicals seeking a better world. All of them. The, um, and I will close with this, the, um, because it's, it gets personal for anybody who's been a conservative and opened their mouths they understand the politics of personal destruction that is coming their way. Um, Alinsky's biographer, who is a great admirer of Alinsky's, gives an example of when George H.W. Uh, Bush, the first President Bush, um, I can't remember if he was a U. I think he was a UN representative. He had been the head of the CIA and he was our ambassador, UN ambassador, and was speaking. I think it was at Texas A&M, and students wanted to protest his speech, um, and um, since he had been with the CIA, I mean they associated him with the Vietnam War and everything. Um, and Alinsky's advice to them was to dress up. In, as in Ku Klux Klan 
uh, outfits and cheer cheer Bush on. Uh, now, well, I mean, that tells you about what Alinskyism is in a nutshell. You tar and feather, stigmatize and obliterate anybody who disagrees with you. And, uh, you know, if you've uh, argued um, that racial preferences uh, are actually, and you, you all, I can see in this audience, would put it very politely, discriminatory, um, I would say racist, but discriminatory is fine. Um, you will be accused of being a racist um, because racism uh, in our context is, is, is a destroyer. You are a racist. Um, I mean, if you are a racist, you become an unperson. You, you're not, you're drummed out of polite, polite society. And it was Lenin, of course. I mean, none of this is original. Um, it was Lenin who said that the object of a political debate is not to defeat the opponent in an argument, but to wipe him from the face of the earth. And you will notice that the political figures in our, the figures in our political life who have been wiped from the face of the earth um, by having uh, said the wrong thing at any given time are all Republicans and conservatives. Uh, if you are uh, a leftist, you can have a prostitution ring run out of your house <laughs> and wind up in control of the American economy. Um, so, uh, our constitutional conservatives have, have a, a big task in front of them. I, you're disposed to be reasonable, to be, to observe principles, um, and the principles enjoin you um, to give the other fellow the benefit of the doubt, um, to include diverse opinions, and so forth. And you're facing an enemy that wants to destroy you personally uh, and socially. Uh, you have to find out a way to square that circle. Thank you. To those who would tear the world down, we will defeat you. This is our moment. This is our time. To those who seek peace and security, we support you. Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms, I don't care how tough you are, it will 
History in the making, 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 history in the making. for your next favorite podcast? Stop searching and let Potable do the work for you. Potable is the only podcast listening platform that uses artificial intelligence to recommend podcasts tailored to you. Import your favorites automatically and instantly discover countless options. Download the app in the iOS app store or visit potable.co to access a world of discovery. Yep, that's potable. P-O-D-I-B-L-E. Mmm, that's some good app. They're bigoted, they're intolerant, they're unprincipled, they're, and they want to bring about a socialist, oppressive, uh, leviathan state. They're socialists. And now... Beck, Senator DeMint, Bill O'Reilly, whatever. Uh, conservatives finally are calling them by their right names. And actually, it was Confucius who said that if you want to restore justice or establish justice, you have to begin by calling things by their right names. Jenny. Yes. What do you think? No, I, I agree. I've, I've spoken at at least four Tea Party events. I think the Tea Party, the Tea Parties, is the most exciting development uh, in conservatism and since I've been aware of conservatives. Um, that, that, that there's nothing more powerful than that. Uh, I think it's getting involved. I mean, how did we lose our schools? We lost our schools because conservatives did nothing. And um, it's still very difficult. Uh, as you, you may know, I've, I've written four books in, uh, on universities, and the fifth one will be out in the fall. Um, and had very, very little support. Um, I mean, I, I've had good support from some conservative groups, like Young America's Foundation, some Repo a few Republicans. 
um, in including some members of the Republican leadership. But the Republican Party is completely asleep on the problem of, uh, of the schools, although in Texas there has been a blip there on the radar, a very exciting one in my view. Um, the conservatives uh, complain a lot. They're good at, good at, good at complaining. I mean, you know, I think of it this way. I mean, I love Bill Buckley. Bill Buckley wrote a wonderful book about uh, Yale in 1951, I think is when God and Man at Yale might have been 52, was published. And, uh, and, and his idea was that if you, you put up an argument and people will, I guess, buy it or not. But he, he never created an academic reform movement. Um, the, uh, he was the first president of ISI, which is now itself, what does that make it, almost 60 years old. Um, and ISI is a wonderful uh, educational, uh, you know, it, it brings literature to students and speakers to campus. But it, it has never engaged in academic reform. And in fact, there is no, uh, well, since I started my academic Bill of Rights campaign, there's been two conservative organizations that, that have attempted to do something. But we don't have a conservative educational reform movement. And our schools are now recruitment and, and indoctrination centers for the Democratic Party and the extreme radical left. So we got a lot of work to do. But I, I have seen more. Uh, why I hate this, it's such a California word, growth, in the, in the conservative movement, um, and just in terms of its political understanding that there's a war on. It's not just about elections. It's going on every day and every, every week and every month. I'm more um, advanced on the conservative front in that since the election of Barack Obama than in the preceding 20 or 30 years. That, that's my optimism. Yeah. I'll mangle this quote, but I understand that uh, Mr. Lenski at one point said something about being able to talk a millionaire out of all of his money one day to support something that he would hang him for on the next day, essentially. Something well, like actually, that. Lenin said you Lenin. can count on the capitalists to sell you the rope that we'll, we'll hang them with. Well, do you think, I just wondered. And Alinsky was very good at that. Yeah, absolutely. And just let's not forget that Walter Annenberg, a lifelong Republican and conservative, gave $900 million to the left, including $50 million to Billy Ayers, for the purpose of bringing radical um, anti-American organizers into the Chicago public school system. Conservatives, wake up. And that's actually the good news. <laughs> because there is a conservative mass out there and a conservative organizations and a conservative movement. And it, it's a much easier sell than persuading uh, these religious leftists to change their religion uh, is to wake up conservatives. If you would just wake up conservatives, we'll win. That's it. Stop, stop worrying uh, about, um, I don't know, uh, introducing uh, uh, Keith Olbermann to sanity or something. 
Don't worry about that. It's not important. What's important is that conservatives wake up and stop attacking each other. I'm, I, I'm just up to here with the attacks on Glenn Beck, for example, just as an example. I mean, this guy has got a school on television. Of, if you disagree with 10% of it, so what? Uh, you know, I wish there were more Glenn Becks out there. Stop. I, I never see Republicans so bloody-minded as when they're attacking each other. Never do they attack Democrats the way they attack each other. And it just, anyway. My question is, do you think the Soros and the Lewises and the Sandlers and those people know about uh, that kind of uh, mindset? Or okay, he's talking about billionaires that fund the communist left. Now, here's, here's I'll give my little Hollywood story. I, I actually gave up on, uh, which, which will illuminate that or answer the question. I gave up um, uh, watching the Academy Awards when uh, Gandhi, a boring and uh, uh, falsifying film, uh, Gandhi was not, well, anyway, I won't go into that. Um, Deceptive propaganda film, good fiction. No, bad fiction. It was boring. When that won the Academy Award over E.T., I said that I'm not watching anymore. And why did, why did Gandhi win over E.T.? Because Gandhi was everything that Hollywood wants to be, thin, moral, and tan. Um, and that's what it gets them. It gets them being, you know, feeling good about themselves. And Soros is a criminal, um, and, and but he, he's he's announced that he uh, he aspires to be the conscience of the world. So you will notice what the Kennedy family was a right wing family. I mean, Jack Kennedy, um, uh, you know, he, he was a hawk. He was a militant anti communist. Uh, hawk on defense for a capital gains tax cut and a balanced budget. Um, it was only after Bobby thought that he, and Bobby was uh, aspired to be McCarthy's chief counsel. It was only after he felt that he had got his brother murdered, given the guilt that he moved left. And it was only after Teddy Kennedy, I mean, one of the first things that Teddy Kennedy did after he killed that woman at Chappaquiddick was to give a speech attacking America's war in Vietnam. That's how the Kennedy family moved left. It was to get gain moral stature. Actually, oh, that yeah, that's that's a, that's a Fred Thompson joke, and it's a good one. Which is, that Hollywood is a place where people think that you can gain in moral stature by getting next to people in Washington. <laughs> I, have, I have two questions. One's a quick fact question, and the other one is a thought question. Uh, the quick fact question is, where are the back issues of heterodoxy available? Are they on the They should be on the internet, and if they're not... At what site? It should be up on our site. Um, you know, we have a complex of sites, but front page should be the door or, or 
I had them put, put heterodoxy up there, so that I know there are a lot of issues. And if they're not, call my office and tell them that you that okay, I said this, and, and, and we'll um, get to work on it. Thank you. Uh, but, then, the, then the longer question is, as you were talking about the issue is not the issue, and you were talking about ACORN, uh, it was it made me wonder, is not the same thing going on with Planned Parenthood funding from the federal government? The issue there really isn't the issue of family planning. It's really the issue of government control. Or do you not, or do you agree with that? It could be. I mean, I, 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 I know that when my mother um, left, uh, she resigned from uh, as a teacher because they were going to investigate her because she was a communist. She immediately got a job uh, with Planned Parenthood because it was, it, was, it was run by the communists. And still is. Um, so funding Planned Parenthood is basically, again, funding the left. Look, it's all patronage. This is just like Tammany Hall. I mean, this is just patronage system. Um, and that's why, you know, I've watched Republican politicians. I mean, Schwarzenegger did this in California, but they, they'll take on the unions. And they'll, you know, it'll be like card check or it'll whatever. And... For Republicans, it's, it's an issue. But for them, it's life and death. This is where they live. So if you're going to go after them, you better have a big war chest, and you better make it one issue and not, he had four propositions, which is why he went down. But, but um, yeah, these, this is, this is th these are the armies of the left, and they are, where did, where, what's the stimulus money? Where did the trillions of dollars go? It went to state budgets so that all these bureaucrats in the state systems who are all going to be Democrats and leftists don't lose their jobs. Everybody else is cutting their budget except for the states and the cities. And that's where all the Obama, the lion's share of the Obama money has gone. Thank you very much, Mr. Horowitz. We have time for one more question okay. Thank you, Mr. Horowitz, for your talk. And actually, I'm a graduate of Hillsdale College, so I uh, wasn't a product of the public education system that you're referring to. But I have a kind of a temperament question about the conservative temperament. You talked about how conservatives like to use reason and appear moderate, and because we tend to be reasonable, as opposed to demonizing our uh, opponents. So how do, we, how do we debate without looking like we are radicals? How do we debate well, you know, without co-opting their methods? I mean, that, that's the 64, or what is it, $64,000 question that, that you have to answer. I, I often say that I think, some, I, I think that I've been sent as a an ex-radical to teach conservatives bad manners. <laughs> but, but um, you know, look, being, you know, uh, having a conservative outlook, I know that, um, that you know, conservatives are not going to be radicals, and that's good. But, you know, maybe 10% shift. <laughs> um, you've got to find a way to do it. I, I, I have to say... Um, I think Sarah Palin is very good at this. Um, 
uh, you know, how, how are you liking the Hopi changey thing? I mean, that's right. So you, you, you find a way, but just don't mistake who your opponent is and don't be um, intimidated by them. Um, a lot of conservatives will back off. Um, you, you're going to have to get a little bloodied. Um, and I think that that's happening. I, I think the, the Tea Party movement is a good example. I, you, I, well, uh, you know, I, I saw it happening uh, in my academic campaign. I um, um, There was a film called Obsession, um, which was about the Islamofascists um, and their jihad against America and the West. And a student wanted to show it at Pace College and, and the president's, oh, the Muslim Students Association, which is an arm of the Muslim Brotherhood, complained and the president shut it down, which violated their constitutional rights and they eventually were allowed to show it. But I, um, I, I had an event here in Washington with uh, 500 students and at the event, this was in February two years ago, three years ago, I said, um, on April, I'm going to declare, I am declaring right now, April 19th, Islamo-Fascism Awareness Day, and I will show this film on 100 campuses. And the minute I said it, I said, oh, what did I just, <laughs> I couldn't, I don't know, maybe so, I can't think of an occasion where two conservative organizations worked in concert on different campuses. No, I actually, I've been, I've spoken at Amherst College. There are five colleges within 10 miles of each other near Amherst, um, near Amherst College, UMass, Amherst, Smith, and the others. Um, and they didn't coordinate. I mean, it's not like a conservative speaker comes in every week to these schools. Um, so. No coordination. And that's conservatives, if they see somebody walking alongside them, they say, oh, my God, I'm a collectivist. I mean, I'm, you know. Um, but I, I, I got 100 universities to do it. And I, I did Islamo-Fascism Awareness Weeks three, three or four times. And we, got, we were able to coordinate 100, 100 campuses. And that's a change. And also, calling it Islamo-Fascism Awareness Day, you can imagine. I mean, a conservative is brought up to understand that their reputation is as important an asset as they have, not to get into, uh, you know, fights with skunks uh, and so forth. That's, that's, everybody is schooled that way. And you, you just go out for Islamo-Fascism Awareness Week, you're going to be attacked as racist, a homophobe, uh, an Islamophobe, etc. But the kids did it. And I think that you know, it's a changed mentality because of the war. We're at war. We've been attacked. And we're going to be, you know, we were attacked just in the last, since Obama. I mean, there's been all, if, if any of those other attacks were successful, um, they could have, you know, that plane exploding over Detroit or, or blowing up Times Square. Um, we're in a war. And you have to change your mentality somewhat for the war. There's a lot of conservatives in the military. They know how to fight. So, I just wanted to say that I've, I've actually had a long uh, kind of relationship with uh, Hillsdale, even though I've never been to the to the campus. That uh, 
back, um, I can't remember what, what, it, what it was, 2000, um, I worked with Larry Arn, who's the Hillsdale president, um, on Ward Connolly's um, uh, Civil Rights Initiative campaign. We worked together on, on that. And I have, uh, I've done um, Hillsdale fundraiser. So I'm uh, very supportive of this institution. I hope all you will be too.